I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. I'm Valerie. And we have an awesome special guest today. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, I was pulled over on the side of the podcast highway, and thank you for stopping and picking me up. (laughs) Fully unprepared for that, and I loved it. Yes, me too. (laughs) We're happy to have picked you up. Uh, Where are you heading? Did did we say my name? I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And we're happy to have you again, uh, picking you up off that highway. We didn't take you to where you were headed, but we did take you. I'm somewhere. (laughs) Someone help. Hey, Ryan, would you like to do uh, the brief spoiler plot synopsis? I would not. Thank you for asking. You're very welcome. I guess I'll go ahead and do it. If you want me to, I can try. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Um, This movie is about uh, Mrs. Brisby and her uh, sick child that she is trying to... uh, get better uh she gets some some medicine uh meets uh an annoying bird um and almost gets killed by a cat uh and finally gets home to her kid with the medicine um but also the kid needs to uh rest for multiple days and not be moved which is a problem because uh moving day is coming up which is basically when they move their home so that they're not murdered by uh the tractor uh, plowing the fields Um, But she can't move him, so she uh, gets some advice from the Great Owl, um, and he says that the rats of Nim can help you, and Nicodemus specifically. So she has to uh, go to their uh, bush over near the house to try to solve her problem. Uh, When she gets to Nim, we also meet some other important characters, like... There's so many J names. Uh, Jason... uh, Justin. Justin, Justin. I Justin is the um, is the helpful guy and uh, the head guard. Yes, the head guard, and um, Jenner is mm-hmm. the the guy. The, there's basically two kind of factions right now in Nim. Uh, Nicodemus, the current leader, wants them to move away from the bush uh, and move to. Uh, do you remember the name of the place, Ryan? Thorn Valley, Thorn Valley, Thorn Valley, uh, where they can be more self-sufficient instead of leeching off of the uh, farmer's uh, electricity. Uh, Whereas Jenner and his faction uh, thinks that that's a stupid idea and that they should stay in the bush forever. Um, And so he's kind of our our bad guy. And so, yeah, the rest of the movie is basically uh, trying to help out Miss Brisby and her family um, and also seeing which side of this faction war is going to win. I think that's the main the main yeah. stuff here. Yeah. yeah. What did we think of this movie? I loved it. it. It was I don't remember ever seeing this other than maybe you possibly you talked about maybe renting when you were young once, but I I didn't I remember the name because I've heard you mention it you all mentioned it before, but it was just delightful. I loved it. Yeah, I think it was uh really cool, really good. The the tone of it was was uh like creepy but i don't know they did such a good job setting the tone and the the characters the characters were good it was it was a great film yeah i really enjoyed it i thought they they really packed a lot in for a movie that's like just over an hour long and uh and and 
told a fun story and didn't get too deep in the weeds about too many things. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it felt appropriately streamlined while not losing complexity, I guess. Um, and it's it's definitely, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's very harrowing in it. And there's a little bit of blood and stuff, but it, it never feels adult or anything like it still feels like a kid's movie just a more harrowing one um i i guess it i guess to me in a lot of ways it feels like it is more successfully doing what disney tried to do with the black cauldron of having a not musical animated adventure movie that has harrowing aspects uh but you know ultimately like a, a happy ending and stuff like ultimately stuff works out but it just it does all of that so much better than the Black Cauldron manages to do, I think, uh, striking the tone and having interesting characters. And uh, even even honestly, I think feel like the animation is, is overall better, uh, which is probably partially due to a decent amount of the animators that would have worked on the Black Cauldron uh, or were with Don Bluth at this time. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot and I definitely recommend it. Let's get specific. By which I mean I have so I have so much to tell y'all. I've split it up some, but there's still a lot to say. I have my own segment like this when we get to audio and sound design. Ooh, wonderful. Looking forward to that. Um, here we're going to... bring my own segments. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, it, it'll be good to have someone else talk for a bit instead of me, because I'm um, going to have a lot to say. Question. Did you pack that with you on your trip and then like on the side <laughs> of the road you have this suitcase of segments? Yes, that's correct. Um, amazing. I'm glad that we were able to fit it in our vehicle. We haven't established the vehicle, but... Yeah, it's surprising that it fit because it is so full of like... Is it? Is this pudding? Is this all just pudding? <laughs> why did, why did why you put you pudding asking? with the facts? And also, yeah, why are you confused about what's in your suitcase? No, in your car. I oh. I had a hard time fitting it in the car because your car's so full of pudding. Mm. Sure, let's call it pudding. So, this film features Don Bluth in his directorial debut and is based on Robert C. O'Brien's 1971 children's novel, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. So, in September of 1979, uh, Don Bluth, fellow animators Gary Goldman, and John Pomeroy, and eight other animation staff, left the feature animation department at Disney to set up their own independent studio, Don Bluth Productions. The studio worked, at first, out of Bluth's house and garage, but moved to a two-story, 5,500-square-foot facility in Studio City, California, a couple months later. Uh, before their split, Don Bluth had showed the Nim novel to Disney Animation director Wolfgang Reitherman, who turned down Bluth's offers to make a movie based on the book, saying, We've already got a mouse named Mickey, and we've done a mouse movie called The Rescuers. Uh, however, Bluth also presented the novel to the other staff that would end up working for Don Bluth Productions later on, and they all loved the idea. One of the earliest drafts of the film was written by Stephen Barnes and was closer to the original novel. The story would have focused more on the rats and their time at Nim as it did in the book, which was reduced to a short flashback in later revisions to bring Mrs. Brisby and her plight into the forefront. 
Bluth himself would later make several changes to the story, most notably with the addition of mystical elements not present in the original novel. He explained that, regarding magic, we really believe that animation calls for some magic to give it a special, fantastic quality. This was most apparent in the magic amulet given to Mrs. Brisby, which, which Bluth described thusly. The amulet was a device, or symbol, to represent the internal power of Mrs. Brisby. In many ways, it was an extension of Mrs. Brisby, a visual extension of an internal and harder to show in a film, power. The object was also meant to introduce a spiritual aspect to the plot, with the director remarking, The stoner amulet is just a method of letting the audience know that Mrs. Brisby has found courage of the heart. Magic? Maybe. Spiritual? Yes. In the same vein, Nicodemus was made into a wizard to create more mystery about himself and the rat's colony. Among other changes, the antagonist Jenner was given much more prominence in the movie, being only mentioned as a traitor who leaves in the book, to add drama to the narrative by giving it a more visible enemy. Uh, Justin also uh, has the the end of his kind of story that's in spoilers, um, was given to allow him to have more of an arc and opportunity to grow and change. Uh, unlike the original work, Justin does not rescue Mrs. Brisby from the cage of the Fitzgibbons house, and she now helps her children without the rat's assistance by using the amulet, uh, once again giving focus to her personal story. As Bluth puts it, the secret of Nim is really a story about Mrs. Brisby and her need to save her children. If the rats save her children, then she hasn't grown in the film. During the film's production, Aurora Productions contacted Whammo, the manufacturers of Frisbee flying discs, with concerns about possible trademark infringements if the Mrs. Frisbee name in O'Brien's original book was used in the movie. Whammo rejected Aurora's request for Waver to use the same sounding name to their Frisbee in the movie. Aurora informed Bluth and Company that Mrs. Frisbee's name would have to be altered. By then, the voice work had already been recorded for the film, so the name change to Mrs. Frisbee necessitated a combination of re-recording some lines and, because John Carradine was unavailable for further recordings, careful sound editing had to be performed, taking the B sound of another word from Carradine's recorded lines and replacing the F sound with the B sound, altering wow. the name from Frisbee to Brisbee. How annoying. Wow. Yes. Relatable? <laughs> wow. That's all the ha- facts that I have for, for now. I'll have a bunch more when we get to animation, but let's uh, start talking about the story and characters. Wow, wow. I just want to first start out saying the characters, one of the things that made this so delightful is the characters were so well fleshed out. I mean, even her children, I mean, I guess if you want to say maybe the little sick boy, but I just mean they were distinct, you know, and even the little bitty girl, you know, they had strong little characters. I, I, they didn't have a lot of screen time, but they yeah, were still Yeah, the kids are definitely they were still simplistic, very, but you yeah, get a good idea of Very distinct. They have distinct uh, affect. Yeah. yeah, the little guy forgot what it is that ended up getting the crutch foot, um, the, the grumpy, the grumpy... Um, Aegis. Mr. Aegis. Yes, Mr. Aegis. Loved him. He, I mean, his what a distinct personality. Nicodemus, you know, Justin, even uh, Jenner. I mean, just all of them. I, I just, it was. You're remembering a lot of the names better too. I know. I just mean they were very, very distinct and and delightful. And Miss Brisby, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to say she was just absolutely amazing. And you know, you talked about in the things you wrote about them adding the mystical characteristics. I thought the. I mean, sorry, the visuals, and I know we'll get more into it with the animation, but them doing that with the even um, the the shimmer and the things that they had to the the amulet and others just 
it just was gorgeous and it just really added to me to to the the or what i'm trying to say the 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 mood the tone that you were talking about because yeah it was somewhat creepy but it was also very um suspenseful and yeah just really interesting yeah bluths we're not in animation yet but but yeah i was i'll just say it real quick just bluths animation or uh effects animation is spot on at like usual it feels like to me definitely I will say a uh, surprising character that I ended up liking a lot that felt like she had a lot of breath was Auntie Shrew. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Definitely. Uh, Like, compared to the beginning where she's, like, kind of uh, bowling over the children, like, trying to talk to the mother and, like, ignoring the youngest one. Uh, You're like, okay, I see you. But then she helps Mrs. Brisby whenever she tries to when she she does she succeeds in stopping the the tractor but Ms. yeah really Auntie Auntie Shrew Shrew stops it. yeah exactly. yeah exactly yeah no uh, Auntie Shrew is like MVP honestly like yeah the way that she starts you're like I don't know about her but by the end of the movie you're like love this woman yeah yeah yes. she's put upon but she yeah she she one of the first things she says is like I, I I can't believe I have to carry the whole meadow on my shoulders or <laughs> yeah, something like that. And like, she, yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. And then and eventually she's like, this is what you want. Yeah. Yes, admitted. yes, because you're capable. Like, yeah. it isn't, nobody wants to do it. It's like, oh, you're the one that can do it. Exactly. Yeah, because you initially think because of how she characterizes herself at the very uh, beginning scene that she's just one of those that, that she is putting the or, or or just exaggerating and like oh i'm carrying the whole you yeah, know whatever yeah. on but then you see oh man yeah she is she's one tough little cookie and she's yeah she can do it <laughs> one of my main notes is that this is one of those movies where i get so into it that i forget to write notes yeah. so apologies for my relative lack of notes <laughs> um i liked that mrs brisby was really kind to jeremy even when he could be really Annoying. Pushy. Yes, yes. <laughs> really obnoxious Very, sometimes. Um Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yes. Extremely Dom DeLuise here. Yes. I, yeah. Just... I think the balance with him though was pretty good. I, I yeah. think overall he worked well. Good. And I think part of it was how Miss Brisby dealt with him in terms of like you can tell that she, like the audience, is like a little annoyed by the stuff she, yeah. that he does, but she's always so kind about it and also and often clever in how she deals with it. Yeah, the movie knows he's annoying. So yes, exactly. Hand- which accordingly, which it feels like uh, Don Bluth doesn't always realize that the Dom DeLuise <laughs> characters are annoying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he he got it in this one he's like yes i understand that the character is annoying but then later he's like to you about a troll <laughs> <laughs> he's oh, like goodness. okay yeah like let's have him be the center of a movie yeah what do you think um no, no thank you no. <laughs> um i uh loved that the cat is named dragon valerie and i talked about it and valerie's hypothesis is that the kid named the cat dragon yeah, um, like, yeah. And we later confirmed that there was a kid. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and there we, is a kid. Not yeah, you said it at a point where we hadn't met the kid yet. Uh, Dragon was very terrifying, but also if that was our cat, he would be the best boy. <laughs> oh my god, I would love him. Yeah, yeah. At first, I was like a little uh, fr- frustrated with their portrayal of the cat as villain. Yeah, like they like is so often done in movies. But then I'm like. <sighs> 
they're rodents near a farmhouse. This is yeah. utterly accurate. <laughs> yeah, and some of the stuff, like him being at the door and wanting to come in, and then especially like um she after she breaks out of the cage, she like skids and bumps into him and the position that he's in yes. where he's just kind of like laying on his back asleep is like, oh that that cat yeah, feels very <laughs> Well oh, yes, anyway. but also he's comfortable in this home to have slept sure. in that position, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's yeah, it's good, and it's also like I'm. When we first met him, I was like another evil cat from Dom de Louise, uh, or not from Dom de Louise, from Don Bluth, uh, who also obviously has a bunch of them in the American Tale franchise. But that's also a franchise where the protagonists are mice, and it's also for a little bit of context. The sh- uh, there's a short film that Don Bluth made before The Secret of Nim uh, that was kind of a thing that he tried to pitch to Disney to, to like help have them help finance it and like put it out officially, uh, which they declined to do, but it's called Banjo, the woodpile cat. And the main character is a cat and cats are portrayed really nicely there. So it's clearly like with that context, a thing that he just does when the protagonists are things that would be eaten by mice rather than like, he hates cats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Things that would be eaten by cats. Things that would be eaten by cats. Yes. What did I say? Mice. (laughs) <laughs> what else um a lot of scenes were really harrowing the tractor scene very harrowing yes um that horrifying spider in in uh the great owl's lair and also just that mm-hmm. lair and him in yes. general like why did he let his lair get so cobwebby because he's like <laughs> an ancient clean. creature yeah old man only moves when so. have to move yeah exactly yeah. i'm like he's been sleeping for a month and now he's awake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was interesting for you to compare it to to Black Cauldron. Like now kind of thinking about it, I think one of the the benefits of it having this adventure movie with small creatures is the ability to disconnect that danger. Like their existence is a danger. There are creatures way bigger than them. They're living in that world. Things that are creepy to us are terrifying to them. Like that spider is the size of this creature. Can you imagine something as big as you being that gross? Uh, so yeah, I mean yes. That, <laughs> if that mount, if that spider was as big as a field mouse, that's still a huge spider. Yeah, yes. yes. I don't yes. want to be near that. No, thank you. So just the that disconnect, but but still in relation to it, like a, a person's world. It's it's such an interesting, an interesting comparison and really an effective way to like I know what a spider is, so like what you're able to use as opposed to Black Cauldron, it it feels like they can give a, a certain sense of danger, but the more you push it, I they probably could have pushed it more, but I think you're just able to do much more with uh, when the protagonists are animals. And so they were able to. Make you can this- take much more mundane things and have them be terrifying. Yeah, maybe that's part of. Whereas it too. in a fantasy thing, it's like, well, that has to be scary to humans, so you are kind of extrapolating into a fantastical thing. Yeah, which the- obviously can be done well. It's just that Black Cauldron didn't do it very it well. Yeah, yeah, there are certain scenes that they did do well, but but this movie was so much more effective in making like all of their. Uh, suspenseful and thrilling scenes just so effective the tractor going to the great owl uh her 
Do you remember Brutus? Yeah, her getting <laughs> almost murdered by yeah. Brutus. By Brutus. Yes, yes. Yes. Silent, mean rat. He's, he's like, oh yeah, that's just Brutus. And I'm like, yeah, we all hate Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> Brutus is overzealous. Don't worry about that guy. Yeah, like, well, he just stab yeah. her to death. Uh, yes. It's what just, the heck, Brutus? Yeah. That's just rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a rude dude. Yes. But I mean, when you got people sneaking into your home and you don't want those people there. Who do you want at the door? Yeah. 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 You've got a point. Another thing that I really liked, I I liked how they, the dynamics and how they set things up. It was really nice that Mrs. Brisby was able to be the protagonist and do the things she needed to do instead of her children getting into mischief. Because Mm. what was the, the show that we, um, that we watched with the, with the little, the aliens came. Um, oh, um, Caterpillar Katie one. and yes. the Caterpillar kids. Yes. And her children, every time she'd leave to go do something, they would leave and they'd get themselves in danger. And that would have been problematic for this because there was so much else going on. If they were then, you know, leaving the home and, and getting themselves in more danger, you know, it, it wouldn't yeah. make sense anyway, because they had the I, sick brother. I so. think the thing with having, kids be the one in danger is that most of the time not all the time but most of the time the danger has to be a little bit lessened to make it believable that a child could get through the situation Mm -hmm. and and it i think that with the tone that this was setting for some of the dire situations that she could be in i think it would have undermine that somewhat if it was precocious kids getting through those situations exactly And, And, and certainly you can have kids in very harrowing situations. Don Bluth will do that with The Land Before Time and them almost getting repeatedly killed by a predator. Um, and I think um, Once yes. Upon a Forest also had some more, some some pretty harrowing things that the kids yeah. overcame. Um, but generally, I don't know that that would have worked with this one, especially just the way that the kids are portrayed. They're, they're more like kids um, in this one, just in terms of kind of, bumbling and feeling innocent and like they couldn't really do a lot to protect themselves right and and yeah. what sorry and what was nice is they were still in danger in their home yes. I mean, with that but that was enough you know yeah. and, and it allowed miss brisby to to be the little protagonist and the little heroine and do what she needed to do instead of then us even being worried you know for yeah. you know for them as far as like individually, oh no, they're out doing this. Now she's going to have to go find them and right, blah, blah, right. blah. Yeah, so. Do you guys want to talk some about voice actors? Sure. Sure. Um, Ryan might have a couple more notes, but uh, I only have notes for three people currently. Uh, and one I don't even have written down. I just want to call out on the podcast that Martin Brisby, the one who likes to act tough, is as a young Will Wheaton. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So that's just a- Wesley. I'm sorry, Will, if you ever hear this. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. just a fun little thing. He's <laughs> so great. Uh, and even younger than Wesley. So then the other ones that I have is Mr. Um, Ages is voiced by Arthur Mallet, um, who you might know as Mr. Dawes Jr. and Mary Poppins and Toodles and Hook. Oh, OK. OK. And wait, who was that character? Mr. Uh, Mr. Ages. OK. And tinkerer guy she went to for the okay yeah the, they got the little hurt yeah it. got it and then Nicodemus is voiced by uh, Derek Jacoby who has been in a ton of things uh, he's especially in a lot of Shakespearean things mm. um, but very well known British actor yes exactly a very well known British actor um, but uh, whenever I see his uh, face uh, which I saw when I was looking up the 
people who were portraying them. Uh, I always think of him as uh, the master in Doctor Who, specifically in uh, New Who. He was uh, not the young um, master, but the old one who didn't know he was the master until he got his hands on the locket or whatever. Um, mm. Yeah, he he's that guy. And he did a great job there because he's a very, very good actor. Um, and I he, always think of him... Yeah, I always think of him in this. There, there's a really hilarious uh, British sitcom with him and uh, Ian McKellen as Ooh. an old gay couple. Oh. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, that it's sounds great. amazing. Do you? Uh, does anybody else have any other notes about voice actors? I do. I thought I you do. might. Uh, Teresa, the older girl, was voiced by Shannon Doherty. Oh, yeah. She's a She's a, you know, a known American actress. From Charmed, of um, course. From yeah. Charmed. <laughs> of course, that's what you'd go to, then. <laughs> um, and uh, there's another, there's a bunch of the other actors who have done a lot of work. Oh, definitely. Good job. But the one I wanted to focus on, actually, was the one <laughs> who got, like, one or two lines who voiced Timothy Brisby, the sick, the sick kid, was mm. voiced by, credited as uh, Ian Freed, I'm going to say, F-R-I-E-D. Um, but now goes by Ina Freed. She's a trans oh. woman and a journalist at Axios. Amazing. Good wow. for her. She did a lot of work. She was actually in Rocky 2 or 3. She was in. She, she did a bunch of work as a child. That's amazing. Cool. That Very happy awesome. for her. Well, I just, I guess I would like to say just a final note that I really, I, I liked all of the voice acting. I mean, I, I just feel like they fit their characters. Even like whoever did the owl, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, even Je- Jenner, you know, Justin, all of them just really did an excellent job. The owl was the one where they couldn't re-record his lines because John Carradine wasn't available. Mm, so Okay. Where they had to substitute those B and F sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was Very phonetically s- similar. Yeah, yeah. Must have been annoying. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that was irritating for the audio engineers, but they did it. I don't ever remember a time where I, like, noticed. Yeah, so. yeah same here. I same wonder here. if that was, like, everything of why they landed on Brisby. Like, they looked yeah. and they were like, oh, we can't get him. What are we going to change it to? Oh, well, let's look through the dialogue and see what we have that we can use yeah, to change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what made it Brisby as opposed to I wouldn't be else. surprised, yeah. That's funny. You guys want to talk some about animation? Sure. Let's talk some about animation, by which I mean, let me read some stuff at you. Um, (laughs) According to the 2007 DVD release, Bluth wanted Nicodemus and the Great Owl to be seen as aspects of the same character, accounting for some similarities in their designs with their glowing eyes and their Mm. long facial hair and stuff like that. The production of The Secret of Nim lasted from January 1980 to early June 1982. The studio set out with the explicit goal in mind of returning feature animation to its golden era, concentrating on strong characters and story and experimenting with unusual and often more labor-intensive animation techniques. Bluth believed older techniques were being abandoned in favor of lower production costs, and the only way that animation could survive was to continue traditional production methods. Among the techniques experimented with on The Secret of Nim were rotoscoping, multiple passes on the camera to achieve transparent shadows, backlit animation, where animated mats are shot with light shining through color cells to produce glowing areas for artificial light and fire effects, and multiple color palettes for characters to fit in different lighting situations, from daylight to night to warm environments to underwater. Mrs. Brisby had 46 different lighting situations, therefore there were 46 different color palettes 
palettes or lists of color for her. Two modern computerized versions of the multiplane camera were also manufactured for this production. To achieve the film's detailed full animation while keeping to the tight budget, the studio strove to keep any waste of time and resources to a minimum. The crew often worked long hours with no immediate financial reward, though they were offered a cut of the film's profits, a practice common for producers, directors, and stars of live-action films, but never before offered to artists on an animated feature. Producer Gary Goldman recalled working 110-hour weeks during the final six months of production. Around 100 in-house staff worked on the film, with the labor-intensive cell painting farmed out to 45 people working from home. Many minor roles, including incidental and crowd voice work, were filled in by the in-house staff. The producers, Bluth, Goldman, and Pomeroy, and the executive producers of, at Aurora, mortgaged their homes collectively for $700,000 to complete the film, with the under Understanding that their investment would be the first to be repaid. Wow. Yeah. So wow. a lot of effort put into Talk this about one. Dedication. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have um, an actual thing on on the Wikipedia page for this. Uh, I, maybe I should have looked into it more. Um, but the amount of money put into this was ultimately not enough to keep Don Bluth Productions adrift. Um, oh. And Don Bluth basically like keeps having to close animation studios and then found and open new ones. Um, even when his films are fairly successful. Um, and this is, this is the first time that it happens and it'll continue to happen. That's such a shame because I mean, this was, this was so well done. Just really. Yeah. Let's really talk about quality. this animation. Wow. I mean, it was so like, nice to look at and the shimmering. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Ryan. Um, you could. It's amazing to to hear the techniques that you were saying that they use because it just I mean it did show I you know everything from one I just remember when when the uh, the tractor was coming at them they just had like the farmer which you saw in other scenes him inside but it was just kind of the sill the shadow which made it scarier just made him seem it depersonalized him and made him just part of this terrifying machine yes and then and then again i loved i loved the amulet i loved when they showed nicodemus at the beginning and just oh and even him just handling the um the chain yeah but the chain on the amulet and that shimmer and oh it's just amazing the lighting effects on that book at the beginning is just like so much they're just shining through like every letter the what the thing where they backlight stuff is used a lot to mm-hmm. generally pretty great effect i think yeah like on the title card even the title yes, card yes. is really cool mm-hmm. the fire burning around the letters yes really really cool yeah, yeah i uh that's such a a common visual now i don't know how common it was then but it was very cool to see it done using those techniques definitely this this feels to me and i will put a caveat that i haven't recently watched um an american tale or the or the land before time the first of each of those um but this feels to me like the most technically impressive don bluth animation that we have yet seen on this podcast and unless those other two feel like they eclipse it probably the most technically impressive Don Bluth animation period. Um, Yeah, I feel like it kind of feels a little analogous to me to Disney's Pinocchio in terms of this feels like the animators going as hard as they possibly can 
And and yeah. I would say it, yeah. trolls uh, effects animations were probably roughly on par, but yeah. obviously the rest of the standard character animations. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the well. I feel like the the character animation in a lot of Don Bluth movies it can be really inconsistent, mm-hmm. and I didn't really feel that here. No, I was going to say that too. I feel exactly the same way, Danica. I feel like this is the 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 top tier or the the highest quality Don Bluth film that I've seen. He came out swinging and it's kind of downhill from here in terms of like this <laughs> level of polish, I, I think. I know, which just really is is just Which again, it's I, disheartening because I, it was so good. It is very good. And I think uh, an American Tale in Before Time I think will also look very good. I'm curious to see how consistent the the character animation is. Um but but yeah, I I think it's you know, he with those two films, he will end up collaborating with Steven Spielberg. And so that's going to bring its own changes to just the the um, philosophy behind the animation and everything. Um, this is, I think, just like the purest distillation of like what Bluth wanted to do while mm-hmm. also collaborating with a bunch of ex-Disney people that also like wanted to do the best that they could. And it just like being this really good product that they're, that they're able to put out. Cause I think some later stuff, even if he has good people on staff, Don Bluth's ideas aren't always necessarily actually good. And, and he, I think he is less reined in maybe in some, in some later things. So yeah, I, this just kind of, I think it's going, I think it will be the most technically impressive thing he's ever put out. Even when we see his other really successful movies. The this movie is very pretty. Also, the sparklies are everywhere. I love. Um, yeah, I, I love specifically them. wrote that it was pretty during when they got to the lush green area that definitely had um, Troll and Central Park vibes in terms of just beautiful greenery. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's um, interesting. Also, kind of what it seems to mean for something to be so shiny. Like you see it in uh, Aegis's house, and it's. I guess it's those who have been, like, from Nim, touched by Nim, like, have that enlightenment uh, or intelligence and the stuff that they create and use. So it's Straight up magic in some cases. <laughs> yes, yes. yes that, that, that's such an interesting uh, combo, like, in, intention that they had. Uh, I, I liked it when I was thinking about it, watching the film, of, like, they didn't necessarily create this. They understand it, but I can see how it feels like magic. And then, but, but Bluth pushed it into, they also can wield or it, it are magic and at times with Nicodemus. So yeah, I guess I, I see the choice and I think it works. Um, yeah. I, I think this is, this is definitely like not one of those magic systems that have hard rules. And I think yeah. it works very well for what this film is doing i think every i think any magic that needs to be explained is explained just enough to like make it work and any more is not needed and is not given right which is mostly we can definitely talk about that more in spoilers um because that's where one of the most magical things happens but yeah i think done well 
I also was so impressed the composition of shots and things, even from that opening scene. I loved, well, first of all, I loved his farmhouse. And even though it was an older farmhouse, it was just so aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, the, just the, the structure of it, the way it was. But then that beginning composition where you come in through the trees and then it kind of like kind of frames and then you, you then you see the farmhouse. It just... It was, wow. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful animation. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's one of the digital multiplane cameras acting there. I also really liked whenever Mrs. Brisby was escaping from the birdcage, mm. the the shots that they used were looking from above or different angles of the cage and how they kind of shook the camera or like to show the shaking of the cage. I, I really like... It was simple in terms of, like, the environment itself. There wasn't much. She was in a house. But it was really engaging what she was going through and how they they framed it. Definitely. I also have to say that whenever we first meet Jeremy, he is uh, tied up with the string that he's trying to get for his love nest or whatever. The red string of fate? Um, <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> The knots looked really good. Like, so mm-hmm. Mrs. Brisby's having to try to pull him out. She d- she nips some of them, but other times she is, like, unlooping stuff and pulling string through to loosen him up. Honestly, the sense that I got was that someone was really enjoying animating all that string. Yeah. I think someone was, like, into yeah. that. They were like, I'm going to make this string look so good. No, it was so <laughs> consistent. Like, the, the, the way she unlooped and pulled stuff through, it's like, this... This is, feels correct. It like, does. This isn't a, a, a shorthand or cutting away to, like, go from A to C and you don't see the B in between where, you know, the knot is undone. But no, you did see that. It was very good. Oh. Uh, and you also mentioned the uh, the great owl and Nicodemus being, like, parts of one thing. I think that's interesting mm-hmm. with... Uh, so... To me, Nicodemus, he was in Nim. He, they uh, gained intelligence. But I guess what is uh, story-wise, I'm just thinking, okay, the Great Owl, if they are kind of a, a facet of the same thing, is is it just like their, their age, their... Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, because it's unclear. To say. It's unclear if the Great Owl has any actual magic about him whereas nicodemus is clearly very has like a magical thing going on yeah i don't know it's very interesting and i like i personally really like that it's not explained because it's fun to just think about yeah the i also this is actually more for story that i forgot to mention no worries in so we, we talked about this movie being like keeping some of the complexity and being streamlined and one of the things that they do is they have Nicodemus as kind of this, not fully all-seeing, but, like, he has his wizard powers and he has this thing that is uh, kind of like a seeing glass of some sort. So he can see things that are happening and he'll narrate stuff or he'll give a, a hint. So one thing was Mrs. Brisby's like, all right, Mrs. Brisby is on her way, but I feel like, you know, this guy, Jenner, might, you know, have something up his sleeve and to the audience we don't even know who that guy is yeah but they're like here you can visually see him and we can already give you a hint that he's no good (laughs) uh i think it it works to be to streamline it i just thought it was 
interesting, and I think it could have been more clunky than it ended up being. I'm 99% sure that the animation used when you see Jenner in the thing is also just animation you see later when he's whispering to the other guy. Yes, 100%. (laughs) That tracks. Do you have anything more specifically animation? Uh, yes. My, Go for it. My last note, or I think my last note. Um, <laughs> I thought the aesthetic of the rats, like they have clothes and it's kind of like a a medieval type thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm just cute, like thinking it through of like, they, they feasibly have seen people and they could choose to have made clothes like that, but they're like, no. Uh, I don't know. We're going through something different. Yes. Like, do they come up with it themselves? They're like, I want a tunic situation. Or do they see a book or something? And it's like, actually, I like how these guys look. Let's do that. Let's make swords. People don't have swords in a a lab, probably. So, you know, we're deciding. (laughs) One of the scientists was reading the rats fairy tales. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or uh, the, the sun in the house has a lot of, like, soldier-type swords and toys, and they're like, we'll take these. <laughs> I just thought... Uh, it It's it's something that I think a lot of people will just accept and not think about, 100%. and that's fine. But <laughs> I was just noticing, like, these guys have tunics and, like, swords and stuff. Why? Yeah, like, they're like Robin Hood and Little John, whatever vibes of... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah totally. thought that was funny. We... We'll talk about what this would be like if it were live action, but in a different section for reasons that will be explained to them. Let's go on to sound design. Ryan, I hear that you uh, have a suitcase. (laughs) Yeah, here, let me just, let me open this up. All right. Uh, Oh my God, it's so full of, so full of pudding. Um, uh, (laughs) Yep, pudding. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, that's what we're calling it. Uh, All right, I can still read this. So I just wanted to talk my uh, uh, the thing I like to talk about when it is applicable when I come on the show. Uh, the composer, yeah. Uh, so the composer of this movie was uh, Jeremy Goldsmith. He is not maybe the most well known by name composer in history, but he has done a lot of really good work, and I just wanted to f- showcase some of it. Uh, he did the main themes for Star Trek: Next Generation and Voyager. Ooh. Uh, did he, he also, did he do the score for, and we can cut this bit, uh, cause it's probably more information that is needed. Did he do the score for the first Star Trek movie where that theme first originated? Yes. Okay, he did cool. The, the, he did the, he was the composer for, uh, Star Trek, the motion picture five, which was final frontier. And then mm-hmm. he did all of the, uh, next generation movies, nice. uh, first contact insurrection and nemesis. Nice. Wow. He also did a lot of com- uh, composing. He started off in TV. Um, one of the he did a bunch of stuff. Mo- most notable probably was uh, the original Twilight Zone. Mm. He did uh, the themes, or, or he's the composer for Alien, Total Recall, uh, Rudy, um, Small Soldiers, uh, yeah, uh, wow. and Mulan. Wow! Yeah. Wow. And he also did the the theme for the Universal Studios uh, uh, production card. The Mulan score is really good, too. Yes. Jeez. Yeah, this was... So he's very talented. He is. And this was actually uh, his first composition for an animated feature, uh, which he admitted 
was such a departure from his normal work that in the end he approached the project like a live-action score, employing the same kind of extended themes and structural development. Um, he said what made the scoring process difficult was that he had to score scenes that were unfinished. He's like, I was on the phone constantly with them. My dupe copy of the film was in black and white, and they'd bring their color copy over so I could see it. They were constantly adding footage, and it was constantly, what's going on here, and what's happening here? <laughs> But I mean, even with those that struggle, he definitely put together something that sounds amazing. Yeah, those seem like a good a good methodology. Just treat it like a movie. Yeah, exactly. Seems to work. Um, David M. Horton spent a year on the sound design for the film, which was supervised by Goldman. Uh, Goldman found the sound work by Horton his second favorite part of the production process, recalling that some of his most beautiful efforts had to make way for the recordings of Goldsmith's music. I remember hearing David's orchestration of ambient sounds and specific sound effects for the eight-minute tractor sequence without Jerry's music cue. It was amazing, but then so was Jerry's eight-minute music cue. It remains extremely powerful. We were able to combine a lot of David's sounds, treating them like part of the orchestra. It came out great, but I couldn't help but feel empathy for David. It's really cool. Yeah. That they made made them work together. I know, right? I think, I don't think that's common practice, and I think it should be. Because it's neat. Yeah. yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, that tractor scene was effective, not just being like uh, harrowing, but also as a character scene. You said that they said that um, Mrs. Brisby had to be the one to save her children. So this is a good scene to show how it's it's hard. Yeah. Especially with you, you get the hints of, you know, I'm sorry about Mr. Brisby, all of that from Mrs. Shrew and and Aegis. But she seems to keep going. But then this is the scene where she kind of missteps, where she loses that. I think it was really good. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? I'll have a little thing here at the beginning and then uh, towards the end, I'll have something. So in terms of the release of the movie, the film's distributor, MGM uh, slash UA Entertainment Company, barely did any promotion for the film, leading Aurora uh, to finance the advertising campaign themselves. The financiers had expected the film to open in wide release in a thousand venues, but MGM opted for a limited opening weekend in a hundred theaters with its widest release in only 700. Uh, Although in competition with the blockbuster E.T. the Extraterrestrial, directed by future Bluth partner Steven Spielberg, it performed better in those theaters alone in its opening week than Poltergeist, Rocky III, uh, and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. However, as a result of its release and competition with other summer fare, NIM became only a moderate success, grossing nearly $14.7 million in North America, though it was more successful on home video, cable, and foreign releases, ultimately turning to profit what a shame too bad they couldn't have advertised it more i know right because it's such a especially just the not having the wide release yeah like that's just yeah like that's just shooting it in the foot right so i bet it would have done better and maybe bluth wouldn't have gone out of gone under like what's the deal but yeah do you guys have any actual notes for this section i had a question actually real quick yeah do you have any information about it just seems like such a specific call out to just to call out the national national institutes of mental health. Like were they, were they like in the news about mistreating I'm, animals? I'm like, not sure. I mean, I assume that that's in their original novel. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really research the novel and see if there was like a reason why 
they were used but it is yeah like it is it's fascinating uh to to choose that and i'm like it was that chosen just because the acronym of it is an interesting kind of word or like yeah i don't i don't know i did i did find it interesting how how strongly these newly intelligent rats like uh, adopted the Protestant work ethic. <laughs> yes, thank you. They were just like, we must be self-sufficient. It's wrong to take his electricity. I'm like, sure, in a general sense, but why are you guys so hung up on I know. this? Like, it is really funny. It would be more if it's like, they're looking for us. We need to go away somewhere safe and be like, yes, I get it. Totally understand. But it's a real like, emphasis that they want to not be like leeching off of them or whatever it's yeah like, i think they have enough electricity for your little thing like it's yeah fine. <laughs> unless they were like you know it, every time we go to we need something like we put ourselves in danger sure uh, uh, just a shift in framing yeah it would, <laughs> would make it be like oh yeah that makes sense but just purely like we can't steal yeah <laughs> oh, all right friends <laughs> Um, I do feel like Mrs. Brisby was a true little protagonist. I mean, yes, she she sought help, but she ended up helping, really being the one that solved it or, or doing the final things. I mean, even Definitely. even getting herself out. I mean, even as as much as Justin was was a good guy and trying to care. I mean, he like. I mean, he ran off. I knew he was going to get help, but I mean, she had to totally when she got captured get yeah. herself out of that situation. And no, she you know, is the yeah, protagonist. I mean, she, and that was I really enjoyed that. To me, this is one of the strongest little you know female protagonist you know in in things that we've watched arguably the only the only time she got any, anything close to damseled was when mrs shrew yeah <laughs> yes. took truly. care of the tractor mm, yeah <laughs> truly yeah. Uh, and, and, really and she wasn't really moment. in danger so it wasn't really damsel yeah 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 her kids were just in danger yeah no you uh this is definitely this is definitely one of the films that people bring up as uh, this is like scarring them or something yes. as children, and yeah, again, tone wise, it's so effective and how you know menacing and harrowing and, and the situations that she has to kind of go through to to save her son and protect her family. Uh, but it is, I don't know, it's it's just a really good film. Like it's definitely one that I think holds up well. As the like, oh, this was creepy. Is it still good if I watch it again? Yes. Yes. Watch this movie again. It's so good. I can see it being scary for especially for smaller kids. I mean, because there are so many things that I could imagine giving you nightmares. Everything from even the owl going into the owl's lair. That to, spider. To, oh, to to you know dumb dumb Brutus like trying to stab her <laughs> you know in there and yeah the he, I love how like like inhuman I mean you know he's a rat but his he, his face is drawn too during that whole thing like he it's just like this this dark shape with like featureless eyes just to like exude that menace he's so yeah. rude he is yeah. <laughs> but I think for older kids I mean it just it, it and through teenagers through adults I mean it's amazing and the 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 right kind of young kid would be really into it. Oh, for sure. This yeah. is such a a particular energy that I think it I think you should 
Not you should like force your kid to watch it, no, but, but like it's definitely something to put in the rotation. You guys want to hear about my section titled Sequels and Remakes? Sure. A direct-to-video sequel produced by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Animation was released in December of 1998. The movie was made without Don Bluth's input or involvement and was panned by critics and fans upon release. Now, I forgot about this fully, uh, so it is not the next movie that we're going to watch. Um, But... Having been reminded of it, I have put it into the rotation and we'll be watching it next year. So Why? you can't escape it. Why? We do have to watch that <laughs> uh, and and see if we agree with those critics or not. Um, but yes, that exists. In 2009, Paramount Pictures was working with Neil Berger on a remake of The Secret of Nim, but nothing has materialized since. And I think it's relatively safe to say that that particular project is probably dead in the water. Yeah. Unfortunately, in March 2015, MGM reacquired the rights to produce a new film based on the original novel. The film is planned as a CGI live-action hybrid in the style of films like The Smurfs and Alvin and the Chipmunks, and will be an origin story in which an imperiled mouse protagonist befriends a comical crew of lab rats as they turn hyper-intelligent. They escape a secret laboratory and become the great minds of vermin civilization forced to outwit the humans hot on their tails. The studio plans to turn the novel into a family franchise. The Russo brothers were announced to be executive producers of the remake as of April 20. 2019. None of those things sound good together. <laughs> oh my I mean, gosh. Man, I guess I'm just a different kind of person than you because I'm like, yeah, I'd probably enjoy that. <laughs> I'm so curious as to what that would look like, honestly. Um, it sounds like it has I, no connection to this, no, which is it sounds fine, like it just but, but fully its own on thing. On its own, I'm like, yeah. I mean, okay. honestly, it's the, the thing that most that is most horrifying to hear is in the style of films like the Smurfs and Alvin and the Chipmunks, which are not good films. What? <laughs> I, uh, I do have another fact for you guys. A television series based on the books was in development at Fox as an event series in September, 2021. It's unclear uh, to what extent the movie and the series are still happening but they're both fairly recent that we've heard anything so they're potentially both still happening it's unclear to what extent they will affect one another i saw one thing that insinuated that the series is going for more of a dark take um but I, i don't really have any concrete details on that but more stuff is potentially coming for this franchise for better or ill Boy, that's disheartening. (laughs) So, for the, okay, live action, or uh, CG live action hybrid, Uh in the style of Alvin and the Chipmunk, like, I, that pulls in a, 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 definitely a certain type of film. Sure. But, if I just, if we just say, okay, live action, uh, Live action CGI hybrid. Okay. It's like, okay, well, technically... Sonic the Hedgehog is also that. Yeah. And that was better than those other two things. And now I'm thinking of story. All right. So you've got mm-hmm. the these rodents in uh, the the lab, but ostensibly we will have more personalization of the actual scientists if it's 
kind of this hybrid thing. Probably. Because, yeah, if it's a CGI live action hybrid, like, there has to be a good amount of focus on the live action human characters yeah, and who, to drive no, down the cost, you know? Yeah. And there's no characters in this movie, really well, much, other than the, the couple, the farm couple and the son. Well, I mean, this is... It, this uh, doesn't mention a farm at all, so... Right, so, yes. Ryan said that, you know, or not... Uh, I think they said that it's not necessarily connected to this film, so that's it's just related to the. the It'll property. definitely be banking on the name recognition of this film. I mean, but it's a, <laughs> the idea of intelligent rats. Yes, but other than that, from a book, totally like, completely different. Yes. So, well, yeah, it's from a book, but like they're not banking on the name recognition of the book. They're banking saying, on the name recognition of the film. But they like it's from the source. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. so. What what I'm seeing, what I am. Uh, yeah, it'll be to, a different tale from from the Secret of Nim multiverse. <laughs> yes, of God, course. I hate, to put it in modern parlance, I hate hearing that in modern parlance. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, a little bit of my soul left. Well, you have the, uh, I mean, you have Nicodemus being a wizard, so the, ostensibly, yes, this that's possible. Anyway, uh, the thing that I'm seeing is like these scientists are like, oh, we really got to cure cancer or something. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's, and it's the, it's, and these rats are like, we really got to get out of here. And so it's like, oh, but if they leave, they won't cure the cancer or something. That's what I'm seeing in this film. Oh, I hate it. There's got to be one, one yes. young okay. scientist yes. who is like, I gotta, I gotta get these rats out. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna figure the it Neil out. The Neil Patrick Harris of of them. Yeah. He was in. Was he's the? Smur- I think he was in Smurfs. I guess yeah, so. Alvin and the Chipmunks is a different yes. guy. Yes, what a pull! I did not remember. You didn't that. remember Neil Patrick Harris is in the Smurfs? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's what the main oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. That's very funny. Yes, the Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> scientist will. Or the what's his face in Sonic? James Marsden. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The the uh, inoffensive white man yes. in, in this film, scientist, <laughs> yeah. will, um, you know, recognize, like you said, Ryan, that these guys are intelligent. He's like, I, I want to get them out. And yes. he has to, you know, it's like, at what cost? Now, here's my question. The love Timothy interest, Chalamet. is she going to be, <laughs> uh, is she going to be one of the scientists or from an outside source? She's an animal rights activist, obviously. Ooh, love it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you. Why are we writing this for them? We will not get credit. They, they, it's already in the head. It's already what's happening. That's what, the, <laughs> that's what AI is going to spit out already. God. I am gonna, I'm going to be so... I bet you guys are going to be pretty spot on. <laughs> we'll see. But, you oh. know, of course, MPH is going to find the thing that he needs so the rats will get to get away but uh-huh. cancer will be cured so yeah will be a-okay except there's the uh the antagonist scientist who yes. also figures it out and he's like i gotta get them back because now we gotta learn why they're smart yeah yeah and that's why they're gonna like burn the rose bush or whatever so yeah, yeah. so they're not fully safe because somebody's gonna know and we've solved it. And that's the sequel. <laughs> well, I, and we've solved well, it. Well, I hate all of that. Um, I will say that um, I think that the, an- the the series is supposed to be animated. And I think uh, an animated series that tonally is more like this movie could be really dope. Yeah. I don't know if it would actually turn out cool, but it could definitely be really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious why they mean like where they mean more dark. In what way? Uh, yeah, I really don't. I don't know. Again, this film does such a good job about making the, you know, 
things that seem more mundane to us terrifying for the the characters in this film. The ending I guess we'll wait till I want to talk a bit more. Do you want to go into the spoiler alert? Let's go on to our spoiler alert. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about the end. So, yeah, at the end, we have a full-on sword fight. I mentioned swords before. The fight at the end is so violent. Yeah, like that. What a choice. And then the, uh, yeah, Justin and Jenner are, like, sword fighting. What's the uh, guy who was working with Jenner, but then just pulls back or whatever? I don't know what his name is. Does that guy die? Yeah, I think he does yeah. die. Okay. He does yeah, appear he does. to die. Yeah. yeah. He does a kind of not, not moving anymore animation. Yeah. And then, I mean, he got yeah. he got Jenner, but then, yeah. you know. Story structure-wise, it makes sense. It's like, like with a dagger. Yes, as my last yep. living action, I will take down this, this man who has done... Uh, killed Nicodem- yeah. Nicodemus, because Nicodemus was killed. And um, is trying to, like... And it's all for himself and not for the good of the civilization. Because he's like, I want to stay here. I want that necklace. Why? Not explaining it. It's shiny. Um, Yeah. He gives it up real quick, too. He's, like, trying to convince people. And then uh, as soon as the fight starts, he's like, uh, uh, Justin figures it out. It's like, you killed Nicodemus. And he's like, yeah, I did. Yes, (laughs) fully. Okay. (laughs) The aesthetic, the sword fighting, all of that. That's such a choice. I don't know if it was in the book or whatever, but... I mean, probably not, given that Jenner was, like, barely a character. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know if it's the the right word. Sword people will probably come at me if (laughs) if, if this is wrong. But I like that they went with the the flamberge blade for for Jenner. Yeah. The wavy blade. Yes. (laughs) It's, It's, It's so... It's often used as a, a villain. Yeah, it fully is. So, not that they were ever hiding it, but as soon as you saw him, uh, the first time you see him with that flam- flamberge blade, is just like, oh, okay. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's definitely evil. And that's such an interesting thing, because yes, you have this like wavy evil sword, and then like Justin's true like knight sword. It's it, it is so interesting the visual shorthand that you learn and then perpetuate for these films yeah yeah like in jenner's like a darker color rat it makes me think of uh, scar and lion king oh yeah yeah the villain from uh quest for camelot didn't he have a, a wavy blade yeah uh, yeah i think so and the guy in mulan i think had a had, a, had one as well yeah 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 uh, what'd you guys think about Mrs. Brisby getting some superpowers for a little bit? I know that was awesome. I, I like, she was like it. a demigod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone's just like, "Wow, okay." Yeah, <laughs> they, they fully like everyone were like, was like kneeling. Yes, like, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, she has become God. <laughs> yeah, the like, uh, the spiritual kind of implication is it God? Is it it? With the clothes, it feels like um, medieval. Is she a sorceress sort of thing? I know this isn't, there isn't an answer. Yeah. But just within the context of what they're showing you, like, is there something that is consistent with that label? I also love the follow through, like, because when she got her powers, when she held the amulet, 
that was, you know, radiating. She she grabbed it with her little hands. And then I just realized this at the very end. She's she has moved, of course, her house to um, underneath, you know, the stone. And so then it then it's showing this beautiful little scene. Her she and her children outside, except for the little boy that's been sick. You just see him in the window. Um, but but her daughter is helping her wrap both of her hands. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and I just was thinking about that follow through because that, you know, that probably burned her or whatever yeah, yeah. with holding on to that amulet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At first I thought There's it was a cost to all magic. <laughs> yeah. At first I thought it was, she, I know she had got a cut in her arm from trying to escape, but right. then yes, both hands were fully wrapped. And yeah. Like, oh no. It was the amulet that she dropped previously, yep. but then gathered up the courage to pick up and take its power or whatever yeah well according to bluth it's less its power and more an extension of her own power sure. but mm-hmm. but but yes yeah, so at the she ultimately was able to save her kids you know taking on the weight of everything and still yeah. doing it i like that the guy who ultimately decided not to side with evil just like has good knife throwing skills <laughs> Thank God. yes yeah. yes yeah yeah, yes. just like threw a knife into into Jenner's back, and eh, that guy's dead now. Well, yeah, because of course Jenner was going after to stab in the back, literally yeah. Justin. So that's you know you you always you have that moment where you know supposedly the bad guy has been killed, and you know or well, out of commission. No one thought he was commission. dead, but yeah. But then they get up and they want to stab the you know <laughs> the good guy in the back. What do so, you think of a double tap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of uh, Jeremy's last minute girlfriend? Oh, was that funny. Was funny. <laughs> she oh. didn't get any words. She just got giggling. Yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, I don't care. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It was two two dorks in love. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, it didn't take up a ton of time, and it also, it it was a, a good enough button to his. Like, this is what he's been looking for and yeah, he's been yeah. trying to do, so... Just yeah. basically a girl him. <laughs> In the second movie of the live-action CG animated <laughs> movie oh, no. series, oh, no. <laughs> uh, when they finally get to the farm situation and they retell this actual story, all that preview at the beginning of Jeremy's character where, where he's talking about not not really getting women and and all of that i I think it'll be a a, another male crow at the end (laughs) using your evil powers of talking more about this awful eventual thing for good i see (laughs) (laughs) uh anything else in spoilers no more spoilers let's go on to our favorites and least favorite what was your least favorite scene in the movie? Hmm. These are both going to be hard because, sorry, I really enjoyed this. Um. <laughs> I think my least favorite scene in the movie was probably the extended a- after after they get away from Dragon at the beginning, yeah, and kind of escape into the 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 mill house or whatever. The extended scene of her trying to go home and being harried by <laughs> by uh jeremy yeah I, that that was probably could have been shorter that's fair uh i think i'll actually go with uh nicodemus previewing jenner it works all right but honestly his actual introduction in the scene that he's in 
also works perfectly fine to convey exactly what his deal is. Uh, I didn't really need Nicodemus to tell me and to see animation that I would then see again two minutes later. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. I, I, I agree that all the shorthand that they used was effective enough to show that this guy isn't up to anything good. He's got a billowing black cape. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his wavy sword. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I think I'm going to go with Ryan. That extended beginning scene, you know, especially when she's going, like you said, when she's going up through kind of the mill house and all of that. And you're like, uh, I don't need because, this all this, Jeremy. Yeah, because even, you know, like cutting to the very end where it's funny, where you just see, you just hear their voices and you still hear that, that, that would have almost been enough. With, yeah, you yeah. Know, so, yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Tough to pick one. Yeah, know, right? like, there's Just so one. many good things. Even yeah. like her going to see the owl and her uh, going into the you know the rosebush. You know and... what? I'll go with the tractor scene. We it's a good uh, emotional scene for Mrs. Brisby, showing that like she's not fully into her power yet. Uh, and then Auntie Shrew, that was a good turn for her, at least for an audience, where it's easy to write her off the first time you see her, but then she shows that she does take responsibility for those who are in the field. Yeah. I think my favorite is uh, also an Auntie Shrew scene. Um, I really like her introduction scene because it's not only her introduction scene it's the introduction scene for all of the kids as well and it does such a good job of characterizing the kids and her uh, and setting you up for that uh that surprise turn when she jumps into action later it's just so good (laughs) she just ignores cynthia basically martin is has is hiding from her for most of the scene so she's basically just talking to teresa and then martin comes in and is just a, a little ne'er-do-well yes <laughs> just calling her names gets her to just leave right fights. as she's leaving uh mrs brisby comes back comes back in she communicates the thing she wanted to communicate it was just so well done i really enjoyed that scene yeah uh, I'll give an honorable mention, uh, even though I don't think it's even my top three scenes, but I do enjoy the scene where um, where she has uh, Jeremy all tied up. Yes. <laughs> and, yep. and she's like, I'll show you. Uh, mm. That's just funny. But my favorite, I think I'm going to go with meeting the great owl. It's good. Uh, just like, I don't know, I guess it's one of the things I was most anticipating and it's pretty cool. I really like Ryan's scene, um, but I really, I, y'all mentioned some great scenes. I think I'm going to go with her going into the rosebush because, and, and specifically like her, her getting away from Brutus, but then also going to meet Nicodemus. It's just, just beautiful visuals, great use of shadow. And then again, you know, the shimmery with the, with the pendant and just all of that was just, Yeah. I think I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I mean, with that uh, setting, it was, it had to be so different. And they did a good job at at differentiating it from the mundane world of this, like, technical, magical place where these enlightened creatures or whatever have uh, created uh, their, their city, their kind of governance. 
I'll also give a shout out to the scene where she escapes from the cage on her own. I think that yes, was really well done. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That was one of my top picks. There were so, I mean, seriously, in this time, there was probably about five scenes so many good that ones. I could have picked. It's a testament to the movie. We all pick something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? Is it Jeremy? He's fine, but I think there's such good characters. Yeah, you could probably... And then there's, like, bit characters that I hesitate to nominate, like, the actual humans and stuff. They're they're just, like, barely characters, so it feels disingenuous, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jeremy. Not... But compared to other Dom DeLuise characters, he's actually not that bad. No, I don't hate Jeremy. Yeah, no, he serves his purpose well, but he... As they intended, he is annoying. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I could have used a little bit less <laughs> if I'm if I'm feeling honest. Uh, yeah. Speaking honestly. Yeah, I just say it. I think I'm gonna also go with Jeremy. I mean, I didn't dislike him, but anything else would be a bit character that I would name because of the main, you know, you know, and even semi semi um supporting characters. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to throw poor Jeremy under the bus. Yeah, I guess Jeremy. Uh, Part of me wants to say Jenner because he's like a pretty basic villain, but he's also just, I mean, he is fun and the animation on him is fun. Uh, Yeah, I guess Jeremy, but I don't hate him or nothing. Yeah, like I think early in the movie it'd be like, oh yeah, Auntie Shrew. But no, (laughs) she does a lot. She's a, uh, a multifaceted character. Who was your favorite character in the movie? I mean... I think it has to be... Miss Brisby. I have to say Miss Brisby. She was a doll and amazing and... Oh my gosh, I loved her so much. Yeah, I think it has to be her for me. Yeah, like she's so capable of steadfast in, in what she wants and needs about saving her son and then her family handling jeremy i know so well She's yeah like, you know what i need and just like uh batting her eyelash and eyes. stuff yes um yeah like and then just escaping and all of that just like she's really good yeah she's great i do want to i do want to maybe Go for it. lean towards mr ages he I is really good yeah he is really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. he's so crotchety he's and yet yeah begrudgingly helpful he's just such a fun character yeah like ultimately a really good dude but like just so grumpy constantly yeah no he's interesting because you know he's grumpy but he does he's like okay what is he how is he feeling all right it's pneumonia do this don't yeah. move him doesn't worry about like it's like the the core problem, but it's like, I can't, but what about moving day? He's like, I don't know. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but then she, also, she's like, oh, oh, bless you. And he's like, oh, bless yourself. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah. need it. You're going to need it. Yeah. And then, and then he, but he is loyal to this bigger mission yeah. because he does try to go and do the thing that killed a younger man. Yes. And he comes yeah. out with a broken leg. Like, yeah, he, there's a, there's a lot there. Oh, I will also say one of my favorite things that I thought was really cute was when Mrs. Brisby, uh, Nicodemus tells her to read the book and she's like, oh, I can read a little bit. Yeah. She's like, well, my kids are much better. Just That was yeah. such a cute line. <laughs> if Tim Curry were in this movie, who would he play? 
I think he'd make a great Jenner. Yeah, I mean, that feels like the natural choice, and he'd hand that up and do a great job. I felt like the I don't feel like too. I yeah, he could do that. Um, but I think his voice is not as deep as I feel like you need for that owl. Yeah, just so big. Yeah, I think he wouldn't feel as old. Or I mean, he might be able to pull old off, even though he was a much younger man then. But still, I I think he's definitely most suited for Jenner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's like a uh, black cloak, wavy sword, and voice by Tim Curry. Come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. I think it's safe to say that all of us recommend it. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. As usual, I will uh, go in without any knowledge or memory of what I have previously rated things. Yes. Um, I'm going to give it... Um, I'm going to give it a a, a solid f- 4.25. Nice. Definitely recommend. Honestly, uh, I, I think I agree with that rating. Uh, I would happily watch this movie again. I, of course, recommend it. Technically, it was visually stunning. I think the story was strong and the characters were strong as well. So I'll, I agree, 4.25. And I'm going to go pretty close. I am going to go 4.5 because this is my favorite John Bluth, uh, Don Bluth, sorry, Don Bluth, where I came from, Don Bluth film. And I just love the story and I mean, and the characters were just so strong. And again, like you said, Valerie, that the visuals were absolutely stunning. So yeah, 4.5 and definitely, definitely recommend. I think I'll also go 4.25. Yeah, I think it's great. I strongly recommend uh, that you check this out if you haven't already. Um, It's probably the most technically impressive animation since Pinocchio. It's it's really good. Um, And also a very interesting story and interesting characters to boot. So, yeah, I would happily watch it again, too. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you, and please join me any Wednesday um, on Twitch for Nanacritter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R, where I'm streaming Final Fantasy IX, and my beautiful daughter and her wife uh, join me in the chat. We're very friendly. Um, I'm creating character voices. It's my first playthrough, so lots of fun. So come join me any Wednesday at 7 p.m. And... So, so much fun to have you, Ryan. You always elevate any of our podcasts and you just add so much. We love having you. Always a pleasure. Sorry about the pudding. Happy to be. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in this car full of pudding uh, with you. Uh, and we'll pick you up off the side of the road again sometime. Get out. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, hold on. Let me get ready. I'll tuck and roll. You guys. All right. Say and bye. There he goes. <laughs> Wait. He left his suitcase. We got to go back. While we're circling around, uh, let me tell you. Next time, uh, we will be watching another Scooby Doo movie, and this time he's going to meet some brothers. Nice. What kind of brothers? We'll see. Join us then. <laughs> bye. Bye. Oh, here y'all. he is. We got him. <laughs> bye. Oh, yeah, thank you. My suitcase. Bye bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279-0566. 
every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Um, she's laughing because she spit on me and I'm glaring at her. Do you want to take that from the top, mom? I feel like I heard, heard this happening twice in one day uh-huh. when you guys were watching the Pete Dra- Pete's Dragon movie. Uh-huh. I didn't even Why do you keep wanting to spit on me? I do not know. I do not know. Take, take that from the top. Okay. I'm going to wipe all of me saying all these things out of oh. my audio so you can't put them after the... Oh, no. Oh, oh that's cruel. Um, <laughs> that